you all on this first Sunday of the new year. Wonderful to worship with all of you who are online with us and all of you who are in person as well. Today we begin a new sermon series that is tied to our congregational endeavor this year, the New Testament Challenge. It's going to be a series where we're going to look at biblical passages that teach us about the Bible, uh, showing us how to have a scriptural view of scripture and informing us in how we read and interpret and apply scripture to our lives. So this three-part series starts today with a sermon entitled, The Purpose and Inspiration of Holy Scripture. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 from the New Revised Standard Version. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. On February 24th, in the year 303 AD, the Roman Emperor Diocletian issued a vicious piece of anti-Christian legislation. He decreed that Christian worship was prohibited, that Christian churches were to be destroyed, and that Christian scriptures were to be burned. Thus began the Great Persecution, the most intense period of government violence against the ancient church. When the authorities came to burn the scriptures, Christian leaders often buckled and handed over the holy books to be tossed into the flames. According to historian W.H.C. Friend, the bishops of Ferni, Zama, and Abitina are among those who openly cooperated with the authorities and surrendered their scriptures. As a result, many sacred scrolls were destroyed. But not all of them. A few courageous Pastors such as Felix, Bishop of Thybiuca, accepted martyrdom rather than surrender. And some Christians, in an effort to preserve the scriptures, carried them to distant lands. Imagine a nervous Christian walking briskly out of town at midnight with sacred scrolls tucked under his cloak, knowing that if he were to be caught smuggling scriptures out of the country, he would be executed. Why would people risk their lives for some writings? 
Well, these are no average writings. These are writings that instruct us for salvation. These are writings inspired by God. The content of these writings is so very precious that it's worth putting our lives on the line. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 illuminates the tremendous value of Holy Scripture. This is also the passage where the Bible explains the purpose of the Bible. If we want to understand Scripture on its own terms, this is a crucial text. As Bible scholar James D.G. Dunn observes, this text is the most explicit biblical statement of what Scripture is for. So let's look at it closely together. According to verse 15, the Scripture's purpose is to instruct us for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Scripture itself does not save us, but it makes us wise for salvation by pointing us to Christ who does save us and by showing us how to have faith in Him. A similar idea is expressed in John 20, 30 through 31, which reads, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name. In both of these passages, 2 Timothy 3 and John 20, the primary purpose of Scripture is to instruct us for faith and salvation in Christ so that we may have life in Him. This is a vital point for us to understand. While Scripture can shed light on history, philosophy, poetry, music, and a multitude of other subjects, its primary purpose is to instruct us for faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. There are some questions Scripture was not intended to answer. For example, if you want to learn chemistry, you might consult the periodic table of the elements. But if you want to learn how to be saved from sin and death, if you want to learn how to live abundantly and eternally with God through Jesus Christ, then the Bible is the book for you. We must keep the purpose of Scripture in mind because history proves again and again that we misread Scripture when we lose sight of its purpose. For example, in the 1600s, Galileo spent many late nights looking at the stars through his telescope, and he determined that the earth was revolving around the sun. This was big news because most people back then held an earth-centered view of the solar system rather than a sun-centered view. Indeed, many Christian leaders argued that Galileo's sun-centered view was unbiblical. They cited 1 Chronicles 16.30. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. They cited Psalm 93.1. 
He has established the world. It shall never be moved. They cited Psalm 96.10. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. In light of these verses, they said, how could the earth be moving around the sun? They further cited Ecclesiastes 1.5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. Here again, they said, the sun moves while the earth is stationary. Since Galileo's science was at odds with the church's view of scripture and the solar system, Galileo was tried and condemned for heresy. Why then am I, as a Christian leader, not protesting the teaching of the sun-centered view of the solar system, which is so very prevalent today? The reason is that 400 years later, Christians generally accept the scientific evidence that the sun is at the center of the solar system and the earth revolves around the sun rather than vice versa. Scientifically speaking, it's difficult to dispute this, so we have learned to read the Bible differently and not quite so literally in this regard. There's good biblical rationale for this shift too. Because the purpose of the Bible has little to do with astronomy. In fact, Galileo asserted in his letter to the Grand Duchess Christina that the Bible teaches us how to go to heaven, not how the heavens go. It's a memorable line from church history, and Galileo actually got it from a church leader of his day who held a different view than most church leaders did. Yet, the Bible teaches us much, much more than just how to go to heaven when we die. The Bible impacts life here and now. According to verses 16 through 17, Scripture is useful for four things. First, it is useful for teaching. Scripture is a foundational source of Christian doctrine. It is our textbook for Christian education. It is a fount of spiritual wisdom. Scripture is like a master professor from whom we humbly and eagerly seek knowledge. Second, Scripture is useful for reproving. It can admonish us when we lose our way. It can make us feel convicted about being too selfish or being distracted from God, or being slackers in our spiritual commitment. Scripture is like a trusted friend who will tell us like it is when we're going astray and help us to get back on track. Third, Scripture is useful for correcting. It can guide us toward moral and spiritual improvement. It can straighten us out in terms of our belief and our behavior. Scripture is like a loving parent that redirects us to the right way to think and the right way to act. Fourth, Scripture is useful for training in righteousness. It equips us to do good works that glorify God. 
Scripture prepares us so that we are ready to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God in our daily lives. Scripture is like a personal trainer that helps us get in good spiritual shape so that we are fit to do God's will in this world. Notice that while Scripture has several uses, it is not used to condemn. It is not used to oppress. It is not used to discourage. Regrettably, Scripture often has been deployed for the unholy purposes of beating people up or keeping people down. But the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 15, 4, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Here we see that Scripture is intended for encouragement and hope. Scripture is intended to lift people up, not keep people down. While Scripture reproves and corrects, it does not demonize or disparage. According to Bible scholar Luke Timothy Johnson, Scripture draws its readers into the culture of divine and human righteousness. Scripture has a unique ability to draw us into the culture of righteousness because Scripture is inspired by God. While verse 16 originally referred to Old Testament scriptures, it applies to New Testament scriptures as well. Some Christians use the word inerrant to describe the Bible, while other Christians use the word infallible. But I would prefer to let scripture supply the terminology for understanding scripture so that we have a biblical view of the Bible. Scripture's term for itself in this important passage is inspired, divinely inspired, inspired by God. The doctrine of the divine inspiration of Holy Scripture essentially means that the source of the Bible is God's generative life giving breath. The Greek term in verse 16, translated inspired by God, literally means God breathed. So some translations will say all scripture is God breathed. This is reminiscent of Genesis 2-7, where God fashioned humanity from the dust of the earth and breathed life into us. Just as breath is the source of human life, God's breath is the source of Holy Scripture. Just as breath animates the body, God's breath animates the Bible. Just as breath is necessary for physical life, God's breath is necessary for spiritual life. God's breath, by the way, is also known as the Holy Spirit. The image in the text is the Holy Spirit 
inspiring or breathing out Scripture. We can access divine inspiration through Scripture. We can access the breath of God through Scripture. We can access the Holy Spirit by reading and studying and memorizing Scripture, by asking God to speak directly to us through Scripture, by asking God to instruct us through Scripture for faith, salvation, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, and the doing of good deeds that bring glory to God. The divine inspiration of Scripture signals that Scripture is a trustworthy guide. According to theologian Ted Peters, we trust Scripture to keep us on the track of truth. We trust its reliability to impart the truth of the gospel. This is important for us to understand because some people seek to undermine the credibility of the Bible by showing that it's insufficient in terms of certain fields of study that fall outside the Bible's own purpose statement. Why didn't the Bible talk about dinosaurs, people often ask. One reason is that the Bible does not set out to teach paleontology. When we view the Bible in light of its own stated purpose, we see that it proves trustworthy and true time and time again, that it is both inspired and inspiring time and time again, that it is reliable, dependable, and worthy of our confidence time and time again. There's no other literature like Holy Scripture. There's no other book like the Bible. There's no substitute for reading, hearing, studying, and memorizing Scripture. The Bible is not to be reduced to a literary classic that contains time-honored human wisdom because the Bible is inspired by God in order to guide us in faith, in order to train us in righteousness, in order to equip us for the doing of good deeds, and in order to make us wise for salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. In 2016, I attended the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's General Assembly. And one of the highlights of the meeting was when a missionary couple named Susie and Kirk shared their story at a big worship service. Since the mid-90s, Susie and Kirk had been working with a people group in Thailand called the Bisu people. This group had never been reached with the gospel before. They had their own spoken language, but they did not have a written version of it. So Susie and Kirk had been working for years to develop an alphabet and a written form of their language with the goal of translating the New Testament into the Bisu language. The Bisu elders had actually invited them to do all this as long as they promised not to force them to become Christians and not to force them to build a church. After seven years of work, however, Kirk and Susie were very discouraged. They had been learning the language and building relationships, 
But only one person in seven years had put her faith in Christ. They started to wonder if the Bisu would be ready to receive a written New Testament in their own language if the project were ever to be finished. But they got a phone call out of the blue one day saying there was another Bisu community in a nearby country that had come to the border hoping to visit them. This shocked Kirk and Susie because they didn't think there were any Bisu people outside of the group they had been working with in Thailand. It turned out that these Bisu people from the neighboring country had come to know Christ years ago through the influence of missionaries. They had no connection to the Bisu community that Susie and Kirk had been working with, but they had been praying for 30 years that God would give them three things. A Bible, a hymnal, and literacy lessons in their own language. Kirk and Susie were blown away when they heard this because they were already working on two out of those three. A Bible translation and literacy lessons. This gave them encouragement to persevere in their ongoing mission. Since few of the Bisu people could read, Kirk and Susie assembled a team of Bisu college graduates in Thailand to help them develop literacy materials and a translation of the New Testament. During the process of translating the New Testament, four out of the five members of the translation team put their faith in Christ. One of them said, I would have never come to know God without working on the translation. Reading the Bible and encountering the stories and teachings and person of Jesus Christ led them to salvation through faith in Christ. As Kirk and Susie were telling us all this in this massive worship service, they said they had recently held a special event where they presented the finished translation of the New Testament to the Bisu community. And at that point in the worship service, Kirk held up a book and he said, this is the Bisu New Testament, the first of its kind, 18 years in the making. And everyone in that assembly hall jumped to our feet. We clapped and we cheered and we celebrated for some time. There were tears in the missionaries' eyes, tears in the eyes of many of the congregants. And I want to tell you, in that moment, I saw Scripture in a way I don't think I had ever seen Scripture before. As Kirk held it up at the front of that worship service, I saw Scripture clearly in light of its God-given purpose. My hope is that we would all see Scripture in this way and that we would treasure it and use it accordingly. Amen. At this time, we have opportunity to come to the Lord's table together. We invite all who have faith to go ahead and get your packet out and prepare to take the bread and the cup.